Happy Thursday, everyone, this Friday Eve, and welcome to Get Your Goat. Today, I'm going to be talking about Goodell speaking out on Deshaun Watson and his suspension, then Jimmy G being linked to the Browns, my Detroit Lions on hard knocks, I react to that, more Aaron Rodgers, Mac Jones, preseason, week one, it's going to be an onslaught of preseason games for the next three weeks. And then I'll talk about the Lakers, uh, Kevin Durant, and my top five teams in baseball right now. So let's get started in the NFL with news that James White is retiring from the New England Patriots. I just want to say congratulations to James White on an, I'm not going to say outstanding career, uh, but a really good career. Three-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, key piece in the 2017 uh, win over the Atlanta Falcons, the infamous 28-3 comeback. He was a pivotal, pivotal piece in that uh, game. Um, you know, was never really a starter, but always a featured back for the New England Patriots. Uh, always brought him out. Always good out of the backfield as well, receiving as well as rushing uh, the football. To me, more known for his uh, receptions and, you know, maneuvering out of the backfield that way uh, than downhill, north-south, running the football. But three-time Super Bowl champion, pivotal in the 2017 Super Bowl. So congratulations to James White. Now moving on to a teammate, former teammate of James White. Tom Brady is gone from the Bucks, stepping away from the Bucks due to a personal reason. Till after the second preseason game. So he'll be gone, you know, week, ten days uh, until after the second preseason game. I think it's good for Tom. Uh, I'm just going to go from a football perspective here. I hope everything's all right in his personal life. But let's get all the distractions out of the way before the season. You know, if this were to happen in the regular season, let's say it was, you know, after a game, he steps away and let's say it's a bye week as the following week. That's still a distraction in the season. So let's get, you know, all this out before the season starts. And then while you're at it, how about the Bucks just rest everybody while they're at it? Uh, because they're dropping. And it's not good. And at least this eliminates Tom Brady from being injured. Because their center, Ryan Jensen, is out for a significant significant period of time. He's been injured. Uh, we're going to need him back especially if we're going to make a Super Bowl run. Then the backup, Robert Hainsey, gets injured in practice. Thankfully, it was a, a cramping issue, nothing serious to that effect. Then Mike Evans, down with a hamstring. Uh, that's not good. Um, Chris Godwin is still recovering from ACL. And Russell Gage went down with a foot injury, and that's still undisclosed. So, you know, to me, Tampa Bay, 
I haven't made any predictions yet. But if you've been listening to my podcast, you know how I feel about Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are high on the list every year, and they're right up there again this year. But what can derail this season? Injuries. Injuries, injuries, injuries. Injuries are the only thing standing in the way between Tom Brady and Super Bowl number eight as injuries to this team, to this core. So while Brady's gone, how about we don't start any of these starters in training camp anymore and get them rested up because if they're getting injured before the season even starts in training camp, nonetheless, that's not good uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can't be injured these first few weeks of training camp preparing for the new season. Now moving on to Deshaun Watson and Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell came out and said that Deshaun Watson deserves a year suspension. Uh, said that, you know, his uh, multiple incidents that Deshaun Watson was involved in is egregious and predatory behavior. And I'm here to completely agree with that. I'm here to give him an amen. I agree, uh, you know, that, you know, is nonviolent sexual conduct, but it was a pattern. There's evidence, there's multiple violations, and I'm glad that Roger Goodell and the NFL are not backing down from this, that they've come out publicly and said that they think he should be suspended for at least a year. Uh, I think it's great. Uh, There's not been a lot of pushback from the NFLPA, the Players Association, as well. Um, Who knows how long this process uh, will take, but the Browns are preparing to have Deshaun Watson play in the preseason game, you know, preseason opener, uh, barring any other uh, circumstance or any other thing of that nature. So this thing is very fascinating. Uh, and then the other twist that came with that today is it's been reported that if Deshaun Watson, you know, suspension goes up uh, more and more, possibly that full year in length, that they are looking, the Cleveland Browns, to get Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's, you know, dependent on only if um, the suspension goes up for Deshaun Watson. And I think that's a very shrewd move for the Cleveland Browns. Because the way that this Deshaun Watson contract works is that if he does get suspended a full year, everything in the contract gets pushed back a year. So the money that he'll make this year, you know, essentially gets pushed back till the following year, the 2023 season. And then that uh, five-year contract then 
goes into place so that the Browns could then trade for and absolve Jimmy Garoppolo's salary. And it's a shrewd move by the Browns as well, uh, getting Jimmy Garoppolo. If Deshaun Watson does get uh, a longer suspension sentence, is that they're not giving up on the season. Many teams, you know, could uh, call it quits or start quarterback. You know, this kind of year is a lost cause. Now with the Cleveland Browns, they recognize that with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, who knows how much longer Kareem Hunt uh, will be on the team, depending on how much noise he makes more about his contract extension. They've got a good offensive line. Uh, they've paid Amari Cooper. They have a good defense. You don't know how long you're going to last in this league uh, with your core, your good players. And that's what the Browns are doing. That's why they traded for Deshaun Watson, uh, because the goal is to win a Super Bowl, you know, as soon as possible because everything could break up, fall apart. So if you have Jimmy G, and Jimmy G is a proven winner in this league. I've been a fan of Jimmy uh, Garoppolo. I've backed him. I think he performs well in big games, in championship games, playoff games, primetime games. He shows up when he's needed. Uh, he's had a couple, uh, you know, Injury nicks in his career, one which was, you know, the ACL, which takes everyone out for a year. But for the better part of his 49ers career, he's been reliable and he's been decent. He's won football games. So the Browns would make a very smart move in acquiring Jimmy Garoppolo. Smart. It makes sense. Uh, because if you're going to walk out there with Jacoby Brissett for 17 games, you're quitting on the season and you're finishing last in a very competitive division with the Steelers, who always have had a winning record under Mike Tomlin. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are back healthy. Oh, and then you've got the team that's the defending, reigning AFC champions. And that's the Cincinnati Bengals. So, you know, Deshaun Watson, a lot of experts are putting them around the 10 and 7 mark. That's what I have them around, you know, 9 and 8. Um, you watch Kobe Brissett out there, you know, you're a, a six, 6 win team, maybe 7 win team. You get Jamie Garoppolo, hey, you're back up to the around the 9 win mark. Your wins go up a little bit more with him. Uh, an experienced player who doesn't cause a lot of drama, you know, around there. And, you know, then the Deshaun Watson uh, thing can play out following year. We'll see what the reception is there. But big thing, if Deshaun Watson's sentence gets suspended or his suspension gets extended even more, I do expect Jimmy Garoppolo to become a member of the Cleveland Browns. Wouldn't shock me at all. Next, the Detroit Lions premiered on Hard Knocks the other night, Tuesday night, uh, and that was fun to watch. A lot of focus there on Dan Campbell, Aiden Hutchinson, and 
you know, last year when Dan Campbell was introduced as the head coach, you know, his first media conference, I didn't have a lot of glowing things to say about Dan Campbell. Uh, I was very down on him, down on the Lions, uh, down on what the Lions season was going to be, you know, the traded Matthew Stafford away. And I thought this was going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, and I was right about them being one of the worst teams in the league. They were 3-14, and 14, not world beaters by any chance. But the more I saw Dan Campbell, the more I heard Dan Campbell, the more I watched him and this Detroit Lion team, the more he grew on me. And I saw that the players were buying into him, the players' coach, uh, you know, tearing up, crying after certain press conferences, you know, where they had a string there of just deflating losses by record-setting field goals or clock management that, you know, a couple of the things bounced their way. And the Lions could have been an 8-9 and team last year. So Dan Campbell, I think, is the right man for the job. Hard Knocks is just proving that. Jamal Williams says he loves playing for Dan Campbell because he is a player's first coach, understands and sympathizes with the players. And I see the players buying in. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson seeing Billy Jean is a highlight. Just the work that I see Aiden Hutchinson doing uh, throughout the training camp was great, was my Michigan man, second up in Heisman uh, voting. A runner there, runner up there. He's tremendous, tremendous football talent. I think he's going to have a tremendous year and be defensive rookie of the year. And I think Dan Campbell and this Lions team is going to going to be great. You know, he gets emotional in practice as well. Um, the coaching staff that he's assembled is full of former players as well. Players at their position, they know what they're doing. It's competitive, yet. He stresses love amongst the team. That, hey, we're going out there battling together. We need to love each other, love one another. And it makes sense. Uh, he's preaching, you know, the one pride, unity. They're buying in. It makes sense. You know, while we're watching other teams throughout training camp, get into fights. Uh, The 49ers, Fred Warner, Brandon Ayuk, get into a couple of fights. The Giants, coaches actually getting into fights with the players. Um, You know, a lot of those teams don't have, you know, a great commanding presence at quarterback. The Lions are buying in, and they could easily be fighting, you know, to where um, this team was last year. And how bad they were. They could be bickering. Arguing amongst themselves. But they're not. They're not doing that. They, you know, Jamal Williams said. Hey we don't want to repeat. What we did last year. We don't ever want to feel that again. So it's driving them. But it's driving them all together. It's not a call out. Hey this season was on you. Or you or you were not pointing fingers. It's. I like watching it. I like watching this Lions team. And I think we're going to be fairly good this year. I told my family uh, the other day that my prediction 
is that the Detroit Lions are Super Bowl champions come 2025. That they will be 2025, February, whatever the date is, 2025. They will be hosting the Lombardi Trophy. I think this is the regime to do it. I think Dan Campbell is a terrific coach. And I think uh, Brad Holmes, general manager, fantastic general manager. Love the moves that he's made so far this draft, this offseason. I think this is the regime to get the Lions back on track. Now, why do I say 2025? Last year, they were terrible, 3-14. They can only go up from here. Like I said, they were very competitive last year. This year, they have an easy division. So I think they're going to build some momentum this season. Then after this season, they have a, a decision to make based on this season evaluation. Do we go forward with Jared Goff or do we draft a new quarterback, sign one in free agency? We'll have, you know, we still have the draft picks. Our first round pick could be relevantly, uh, relatively high. Uh, we also have the Rams draft pick as well. So we could package some of that up. So next year is a big deal. So whoever they get next year, I think it will be an upgrade over um, Jared Goff. But there's going to be growing pains. I think they'll make the playoffs next year. They'll be ascending team. And then the following year, they win the Super Bowl. So that's my outlined uh, plan for the Detroit Lions. And I have them going 7-10 and 10 this year. That is my record prediction for the Detroit Lions. Um, they've got a toss-up game right away against the Eagles at home. Philly is a favorite. I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts. I'm just not. I like their weapons. I like Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. like some of their defense. But I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts. You can either, the Eagles can either light you up or they can lay an egg. And, you know, that game against Tampa, the playoff game, really was a good marker indicator that the Eagles are are still far away from a top class of the NFC. They're more near the middle of a pack than the top dogs. So that one could go either way. Might get it Philly's way, but that's a game that could, go, you know, go either way. Then they face the Commanders. And that game's in Detroit. I'm not high on Carson Wentz, this commander's team uh, as well. Yes, they've got Terry McLaurin. Uh, who knows if Chase Young will be back recovering from ACL uh, by that time. But the commander's defense, you know, two years ago was one of the top defenses in the league. And last year really, really regressed. So I do think the Lions could get the better of them. They play the Vikings. Connors Kirk, I think the Lions will win one of those games split against the Vikings like they did last year. They play the Seahawks, and this is the only game, uh, or my bad, uh, two of the only games that the Lions are favored in against the Seahawks team, and I think they can beat the Seahawks um, this year. Uh, Seahawks are rolling out there with Geno Smith, Drew Locke. I like the Lions, Lions in that game. Uh, against the Seahawks. The Seahawks have no weapons, no defense. Uh, I think the Seahawks are punting on the year. Uh, Lions can take advantage there in Detroit. Then they play the Patriots. And since that's in New England, I might give it to New England uh, right there, depending on Mac Jones. Now this offense does, and that, you know, 
this stretch right here is where it gets rougher for the Lions, um, starting with the Patriots. Then you got the Cowboys, um, the Dolphins, the Packers. Packers won't be resting their starters that week. So you, I could see them going on a four-game losing streak um, before riding the ship again, getting a little more momentum. Uh, then they play the Bears. I think they can beat the Bears, you know, both times this year. Um, I like the Lions a lot more than the Bears. Lions have upgraded their roster. Well, the Bears have mainly stayed pat, not doing good. Allen Robinson gone. Roquan Smith wants to be gone. So you traded Cleo Magner, losing talent and not bringing in any talent at the moment. So Lions can win that. Then they play the Giants, and I'm not sold on the Giants. I've never been sold on Daniel Jones. This is another top five pick team. I think they get the better of them. Then against the Bills, Thanksgiving, uh, that could be a Thanksgiving massacre. Uh, Josh Allen might want to put on a show that day. That game, to me, is the only game on their schedule that I see getting really ugly. Because even though they play the Packers, it's a division game. You can kind of hang in tight, close. Ten points is not that big of a deal uh, to me. But against the Bills, that could easily be a 20, 30-point win for the Buffalo Bills. Um, that's one that really scares me. And, of course, that's a Thanksgiving game. So after that, I'm going to hear, you know, should the Lions even be on the schedule anymore for primetime games? So at that Thanksgiving point, I kind of have them at uh, four wins already kind of sitting at the four and six mark right there, four and seven. Then they play the Jags at home. Then this is where I think they can string together some wins as their finish to the season gets uh, easier after that mark. Uh, Jags at home, I think they can beat them uh, pretty good. I'm still, I'm not high on the Jaguars. Christian Kirk, Travis Etienne. Trevor Lawrence, not sold on any of them. Then they play the Vikings. They beat the Vikings last year in Detroit. I think Detroit can do it yet again. As I said, con artist Kirk always shows his true colors late in the season, and that's that he's not a good quarterback. Then they play the Jets. That's another one I think the Lions can win, easy opponent. Panthers, who knows what will be the status of the Carolina Panthers at that moment. I think the Lions could beat them. Then they have the Bears at home. They could win that one. And then again, they finish with the Packers as the last game of the season. And who knows what the Packers' state will be. You know, I think they will clinch the division by that point. So do they replay their starters, rest them? Last year, they played Bakhtiari. He got re-injured that game. Uh, and who knows if he'll ever come back from that. So Packers might take it cautious again. Last game of the season, if their seeding is already locked in the playoffs, which I think it will be. And hey, there you go. Lions could sneak in, as I said, post-Thanksgiving. Very, very favorable schedule. Uh, you know, to open up their season, first, uh, first month is easy. Last month is easy. It's that middle of the stretch there, to me, easy September uh, and December, but that October, November stretch 
that meat stretcher, it's going to be it's going to be rough. So bookend of the season, I like the Lions, like the Lions to win some games. It's that middle of the season that's going to prove very tough for the Detroit Lions. But like I said, seven and ten record. I think this is a good ascending team. Team wants to win, wants to play for each other, like the culture that Dan Campbell has established. And I'm looking forward to the next four episodes of Hard Knocks as well. Now let's stay in that NFC North division. Talk about Aaron Rodgers again. Aaron Rodgers, I think, likes to be in the news lately because I've come to a conclusion about Aaron Rodgers uh, being in the news quite often, trying to give us these quotes. You know, he says he wants to win another Super Bowl. Says he has all the individual success that he could have. But he likes individual success. To me, I've found that, hey, Aaron Rodgers is a is a self-obsessed person. He is. Uh, everything he talks about uh, on the podcast that I listen to, his two-and-a-half-hour ayahuasca retreat podcast, everything was about self. Self-love, self-confidence, be better, you're better. All self-obsessed. And then when he talks about wanting to win a Super Bowl and that he's had the individual success, he's won four MVPs. You know what he sneaks in there when he's talking about football? He talks about being an honorary black belt. Now, why would anyone talk about being an honorary black belt? Um, When Tom Brady's interviewed, um, you know, Drew Brees, you Brett Favre, you talked about all the greats, Joe Montana, even wide receivers, non-quarterback positions. Who's mentioned being an honorary black belt? When I think of black belt, I think of Murray Bowman from Stranger Things, black belt, who plays in a, or who, you know, is in a kid's class of karate between the ages of 13 and 16. And you got Murray there, who's like a 40-year-old. That's what comes to mind now when I think of Aaron Rodgers. Honorary black belt. Yes, you know, now to add to his, you know, conversation of where he belongs in the pantheon of greats, not only do we have to consider the one MVP or the one Super Bowl of four MVPs, multiple failures in the playoffs, not only add the ayahuasca in there, but now honorary black belt. Honorary black belt. Like I said, he's self-obsessed, and then he tries to give Jordan Love a compliment, but he has to bring himself into the conversation, comparing Jordan Love to himself in the similar tracks um, that they have had together. So, yeah, pretty self-obsessed there, Aaron Rodgers. You do you. That's what leads to MVPs, not Super Bowls. More NFL, Mac Jones. It's been documented throughout this offseason. 
that Mac Jones has had some growing pains, a little bit of frustration. Learning a new offensive system, former offensive guru Josh McDaniels has left the Patriots to become the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And there's been some growing pains, which is not good for a second-year quarterback. Uh, let me tell you that much. It's not, it's not good. To me, the second-year leap is one of the most important leaps, especially as a starter. Patrick Mahomes' second year won a Super Bowl. Tom Brady, Super Bowl. Uh, so, yes, second year is sort of big is sort of a big deal. Josh Allen took a bigger leap his first year to second year, second year to third year was even bigger. But you want to take leaps. Kyler Murray took a leap from his first year to second year. Joe Burrow took a tremendous leap first year, then second year Super Bowl. So you want to take a big leap in your second year. So when you're experiencing some growing pains and frustrations, that's not a good sign because Mac Jones had a tremendous year last year. Look at Justin Herbert, the year before, he grew first year to second year. But you don't want to digress from your first year to second year. That doesn't put you on a good path. And, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with the Patriot system. That Josh McDaniels is gone. Matt Patricia, who is a failed Detroit Lions coach, but is a more defensive side of a football, longtime defensive coordinator of the Patriots is now part on the part of the offensive team and there's no coordinators for the uh, New England Patriots it's all about bit mysterious and secret like we're not going to tell you who's play calling or the official coordinators you know we don't believe in titles over here that's all fine and Danny, Bill Belichick can try to speak that into existence all he wants, say what he wants to the media. But it doesn't fool me. It says that, hey, Bill Belichick, you're not as good as you once were. You're getting older. The league is getting younger. And you just can't keep up uh, right now. I feel that, I don't know this, I just feel and I think that Bill Belichick wants to win another Super Bowl. Tom Brady, even if he doesn't win another Super Bowl in his career, he can say that I did it without Bill. I did it without him. Look at me. I'm better. He can always hang his hat. He's got the last word. I think that angered Bill Belichick internally. I think he would like to win one without Tom Brady and say, hey, look at me. I did it with a Mac Jones, who is no Tom Brady. But, of course, the conference has gotten a lot harder. You have the AFC West. You've got the Buffalo Bills and the AFC North. So it's loaded. And like I said, Mac Jones experiencing growing pains, it's not good. And they've announced that, you know, tonight being the first preseason games. Mac Jones isn't going to play tonight in the preseason games. But I think he should. Because if there's growing pains, we really don't know who offensive coordinators are. 
why wait till the first game of the season? You know, you're playing the Giants tonight, and I don't think the Giants are playing Daniel Jones or their starters. And there's some issues I have in that as well. So you have uh, two former glory teams, uh, you know, former Super Bowl matchup here twice, Giants-Patriots tonight. But it might not be, you know, a very entertaining game with all the backups in. But I feel that Mac Jones should play in the preseason opener. I think they should, you know, at least for a quarter, get Mac Jones comfortable, say, hey, that this is what we need to work on the next month before it actually starts. This is what we recognize in Mac games. This is what we realize in our coaching plays, because even if you dial up some similar plays uh, for the backups, it doesn't transfer over to what Mac can and will do. So to me, it doesn't make sense. I would throw Mac Jones in there to get more comfortable with this offense. Uh, so you have some film. I'd rather him go up against the backup of the Giants, you know, right away. You know, get some confidence on, under his belt so he's not frustrated before you wheel, wheel him down to Miami for the first live game where New England's always had a tough time to play in Miami. And you've got Tua and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle bombing it all over you. That's just my opinion. But you do you, Bill Belichick, uh, and Mac Jones, but I'd give Mac Jones some reps here in preseason. Because of that, this game's a true toss-up tonight. Uh, who knows, Giants are a favorite, three-point favorites. Why not roll with the Giants in this game? Also, still on the preseason subject, the Ravens play tonight as well. Those are the two preseason games on tonight. Giants-Patriots and Titans-Ravens. And little nugget here, the Ravens, have the longest, not only the longest active winning streak in preseason uh, so far at 20 games, but their 20-game preseason win streak dating back to 2015, I believe. It's the longest in NFL history. John Harbaugh and Baltimore Ravens value the preseason. They just do, and I don't blame them. Uh, Does it continue tonight? Yeah, I think so, because they take preseason a little bit more seriously than you do. Why? Well, Lamar Jackson said they just don't like to lose. And I'm not saying that the preseason is a huge factor, that it's super important. But it's important, and it matters to a degree. Like Lamar said, I'll piggyback off what he said, you don't want to lose. You never want to lose in the preseason. Even if you start, you know, a series or a quarter, you want to win your quarter. You want to win your series. So that's a big deal. Not getting used to losing because you can use that as an excuse. When you lose, it's just a preseason game. It doesn't matter. That affects your mentality. Then, you know, if when you lose the first week of the season, you say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's the first game of the season. Hey, it doesn't matter. We got 16 more games to feel this thing out. 
Why not start him a preseason? Why not start him a preseason? Because if you have that excuse mentality that, hey, it's just the preseason, guess what? That excuse mentality, that will carry out the rest of the season. Every time you lose, every time something doesn't go right for you, there will always be an excuse. There won't be any ownership of you know your results what you have done so i like the baltimore ravens you know saying that hey the preseason matters it matters to a degree it also matters because stars stars don't need preseason tom brady doesn't need preseason lamar jackson doesn't need it uh aaron Rodgers doesn't need it you know sue your stars your superstars they don't need preseason but who does the non-stars the backups they need preseason because a lot of them, they're fighting for their job in the preseason. And, hey, you know, you want to try your best. You want to be on the team. So it shows how important winning is to you as well, going out there and performing well. So preseason, again, it's not the end all, but it matters to a degree. I like the Ravens and John Harbaugh approach to preseason more than most teams. That's why I have the Ravens getting another preseason win tonight. Now, last NFL topic. This is something that always intrigues me in the NFL is looking if the highest paid NFL players, you know, per position, and saying if that equals out to, you know, are the best players, the ones that are the highest paid. And this year, it, uh, I think more than years in the past, it stood out to me that no, that's not really the case. Now let's look at quarterback. The three highest paid Quarterbacks, and let me know you agree with this. I want to give my thoughts on this. Three highest paid quarterbacks in terms of most guaranteed money, Deshaun Watson, one, Kyler Murray, two, Aaron Rodgers, three, and over a three-year value, those are the same. Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson. Aaron Rodgers, to me, is a top three quarterback. Kyler Murray is not. Deshaun Watson is not. Tom Brady making $13 million this year. Aaron Rodgers, 50. Kyler Murray, 46. Deshaun Watson, 46. Tom Brady, 13. I'd throw Josh Allen in there. He's making around 40 this year. Patrick Mahomes, 40. Less. Then Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to include Justin Herbert, who's on his rookie deal, and Joe Burrow and those other ones. Uh, but you can't sit here and tell me Aaron Rodgers, Kyle Murray, Deshaun Watson are the three best quarterbacks. Uh, you can put Aaron Rodgers in there, but not Kyler Murray, Deshaun. Give me Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes over th- those three guys. Running back. This is another one that really shook my head because Ezekiel Elliott, uh, September 2019, 
signed the largest running back contract extension in running back NFL history. And it still remains that day. Even though Christian McCaffrey is getting more at a yearly amount, Ezekiel's remains the richest. So your three running backs, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. Now, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Ezekiel Elliott hasn't been a top back for quite some time since he signed this deal back in 2019. Past three years, he has not been the same Zeke. So the fact that he is getting 16 a year, 50 total million guaranteed, 50 million total guaranteed, uh, that's ridiculous because he hasn't even been in the top five to me the past three years. Christian McCaffrey had his one good year, two good years. He's been very injured. And if that continues this year, uh, you know, his NFL career could be winding down. Even Alvin Kamara, he's a great back, but he's not a true running back. You know, give me Derrick Henry. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, of course, Jonathan Taylor's contract isn't on here because of the rookie contract he's on. But Derrick Henry, you know, makes less than uh, $12 million, you know, a year in Alvin Kamara's third. Give me Derrick Henry. Give me Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, you know, three running backs to me that are better than McCaffrey, Elliott, and Kamara. They get paid less. Wide receiver. This follows suit. Three highest paid wide receivers. Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill. Now, everybody's wide receiver arguments are different, but most people do have Cooper Cup in there. Some people have Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, so there's no problem with that. Again, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase can't be on the list because they're on their rookie deal still, uh, and they don't make the crazy money like those three do. Uh, Devontae was on there, you know, but then Stephon reworks his contract, Tyreek. So that's just uh, musical chairs with contract extensions there. Tight end, just one stood out to me uh, for tight end. George Kittle, tremendous. He's number one on the list. Mark Andrews, two. Dallas Goddard, three. Now, to me, the best tight end isn't on there. That's Travis Kelsey. Dallas Goddard, really? Uh, I like George Kittle. I like Mark Andrews. But Travis Kelsey, one of the best, if not the best at his position. Uh, and he's not making the top of the list. Cornerback. Jair Alexander, Jalen Ramsey, and then Denzel Ward, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, I'm fine with this list. You know, cornerback is very fluid. Usually cornerbacks, it's like one great, tremendous year. We haven't had a like a stretch run of a shutdown Darrell Revis, Revis Island, or Richard Sherman uh, in quite some time. There's been a lot of one hits. Uh, Xavier Howard with a 10, that he dabbles some injuries, not as good. Same with Stephon Gilmore. So they'll have one tremendous year. That's it. Edge rusher, TJ Watt, Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett. Yes, that's fully acceptable. D tackle. Aaron Donald, uh, DeForest Buckner, Jonathan Allen, fine with that. Safety, Mika Fitzpatrick, Jamal Adams, Justin Simmons. So why does this stand out to me? Well, if you look at, you know, who's paid the most money, their highest stars, it's the Los Angeles Rams. 
They got a D tackle, making you know Aaron Donald best defensive player, making thirty million a year, sixty million guaranteed. They got Jalen Ramsey, cornerback, making seventy-one million guaranteed, twenty million a year. Cooper Cup, seventy-five million uh, guaranteed, twenty-six per year, number one. And I know. Matthew Stafford was in the top three, but he reworked his contract. He's making around 40, 45 a year. So why do I bring that up? Well, a lot of people pick and choose. You know, Green Bay will pay a lot for Aaron Rodgers. We'll skimp back on everything else. 49ers, George Kittle, uh, and Fred Warner will kind of skimp back. Uh, The Rams have three or four guys, some of the highest paid. What does that indicate? They're a top-heavy team. They're lenient on their stars, and both stars get hurt. They don't got backup. They don't got depth beneath beneath them. But you know, tracking some of the you know money each year is something very fascinating to me. Hopefully, that gives you some insight as well when you look at a player. You know, next year, uh, you might think, "Hey." He's overpaid. Wow, that's crazy. He must be overrated. I like to think of it like that. Now moving on to the NBA. Bill Russell, number six, has been retired across the whole league. Nobody can use number six anymore. However, they are making an exception for players that already are wearing number six in the league. So that exception includes Chris Depp's Porzingis. In LeBron James, they are allowed to use it, and they'll kind of grandfather that. So if they were to switch jerseys, they couldn't switch back. But yes, the number six is retired across the whole league. Some of it is shocking to me because, you know, NBA doesn't really retire numbers across the whole league. Heck, Jordan's number isn't retired across the whole league. Uh, But I get Bill Russell. You're going to have patches on the uniforms, of course, because of him. because he is, if you want to talk about championships, is a player 11 in a team sport, is a player 2 as a coach of 13 total. It's tremendous uh, what he did um, for the game, uh, meeting that he had uh, for so many players. So I'm fine with numbers being retired, uh, especially if it's uh, justified in this number by all means, is. So, uh, totally fine with that. Uh, And even, you know, after Bill Russell's passing, that's one thing I thought about was, you know, I think they should retire his number. Uh, You know, does a player like LeBron even want to wear that number anymore? He wore number 23 to chase uh, Jordan, and he switched, you know, in two stints with the Heat. Now with the Lakers, two times he's, Wore number six and not the 23. It's like two of the greatest NBA numbers ever right there. Six and 23. Uh, does the six hit different now? Uh, with that being the case. Next up, I do think they should. I know the Lakers retired to 824. I think NBA should retire those across the league. And the 23 as well. Uh, for Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. Speaking of LeBron and the Lakers, there was a report that came out yesterday about the Lakers. They want to run their offense 
Troy Anthony Davis. No, no, no. I don't want to hear this anymore. Frank Vogel wanted to run the offense through Anthony Davis. Now Darvin Ham wants to run the offense through Anthony Davis. And I get it because LeBron is 37 years old. He's on the twilight of his career. AD is a superstar when he wants to be. But no, 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 no. Why do I say no to this? Because it's all fine now. In camp, in practice, it's all fine running the offense through AD. It looks good. But guess what? You can't rely on AD. He's always hurt. There's always something wrong with AD, but it causes him to miss half the season. So when you miss half the season, the offense ain't running through AD. And then the other half of the season, AD is trying to catch up, get his legs and his conditioning back. And you can't really run the offense through AD. So it's just, it's a waste of time to run the offense and practice all this through AD because it's never going to work out in fruition. Now, I'd love to be wrong about this. I'd love to wake up, you know, next year, AD play a healthy season, 60 to 70 games. They win a championship because they ran the offense through AD. I'd love to admit that I'm wrong on that. But there's a greater chance I'm going to be right on this because AD is hurt. And in the end, they're going to run the offense through LeBron because AD and LeBron are their stars. Russell Westbrook, I'm sorry. Uh, to me, you're relegated as more a depth player than a star at this point. So, no, I don't want to see the Lakers run the offense through AD. It should be run through LeBron, your best player. That's who it should be run through, not AD. Get AD involved as much as you can. Get him aggressive in the paint. But I'm not running the offense through AD. I value AD's defensive skill set a lot more than his offense. He can be one of the best defensive players when he's healthy and locked in. Uh, But no, we're not running the offense through AD, please. Uh, I don't want to watch a rerun of last year. Because last year is about as worse as you can get with a season with LeBron. Bad. Bad, bad, bad. And also, Kevin Durant. More news about Kevin Durant. Seems like every day. Uh, This time, you know, is more trade destinations uh, came out from him. Uh, He said he would, you know, take a trade to the Celtics or the 76ers. So, you know, just join some good teams there. He's still friends with James Harden. Uh, The Celtics don't want to include Robert Williams in contract discussions. Uh, Who knows what return is. To me, the 76ers don't make sense because they traded their draft pick for James Harden. So to me, that trade won't work. So to me, it's only really the Celtics. The Celtics have a lot of control. Uh, Kevin Durant's ultimatum has been reported that it hurt his value. But people say that everyone expects him to play it even if they don't trade him. He'll still show up to the Nets camp, still play in every game. He'll still be Kevin Durant. 
I agree with that to a degree. He'll be Kevin Durant. He'll be great. But when you don't want to play for the team, when you don't want to show up to work, you'll just do it. You're still good at your job, but you're easily distracted. Uh, you know, there's not a sense of, you know, pride and caring as much as there once was. And, you know, I'll relate my personal experience. Um, when I was at a job, you know, I was good at it, went to school for it. I could do it. But, you know, problems with my boss, much like KD, problems with the ownership, coaching staff, just don't enjoy it as much anymore. You want to switch departments, switch teams, and you still do your job to a high degree, get things done on time. But there's a distraction. If something comes up, I might take a little longer doing something. You know, I don't enjoy it as much anymore. It just becomes mundane. And same with KD. And it's different in professional sports because you can still be good, be a playoff caliber team. But with that attitude, you're not winning championships. I think KD wants to have fun playing basketball. He loves basketball. But he wants to have fun doing it and compete for championships. And in Brooklyn, he's not having fun. And he's not competing for championships. They can bring back the same team. Uh, Ben Simmons can have his therapist and get him back. But to me, they're still not better than the Heat, the Celtics, the Bucks. So, semifinals at best for them if they come back. And I don't think the Nets want that. So we'll see what happens to Kevin Durant. I'd expect him to play if he stays. But I'm not predicting them to win the finals or go deep in the playoffs. Next up, college football. I just want to note this. Michigan. Every year they come out, college, list of athletic freaks. Last year, Evan O'Neill of Alabama, offensive lineman, was number one, tremendous. But number two was Aiden Hutchinson. Look how he ended up. Mozzie Smith of Michigan is number one this year on the athletic freak list. He can, you know, bench press 325, 22 times, close bench 550, insane broad jump skills, a leap, and he can still run like a 441 at like 6'6", 337. It's insane. Number one, Mike Morris, defensive edge, wants to be the new Hutch. What does this tell me? That people are wary of, you know, the Michigan defense. They've lost a lot. But to me, Michigan's got tremendous depth. They just do. And last year, I was right on Michigan going 11-1, and making the champion or making the playoffs, losing in the first round. I had Georgia, Alabama, had Alabama winning, of course. That was flip-flop. But I was had a lot right in college football last year. I love college football. What am I going to say this year? Michigan's going 12-0. and I'll talk about that more in a later podcast, but I'll leave that there for you guys. Michigan 12-0. and Now I want to get into my top five teams in baseball. Number five. The Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves are doing, were doing really well. Then they got hit by the Mets. And 
you know, I'll give the Braves the benefit of a doubt because they've been playing well. Uh, Austin Riley, great. Uh, Ronald Acuna, uh, to me, their pitching leaves a little to be desired. Uh, but the Braves have always been a good team. They continue to be good uh, this year. And that's why they're at number five. And they're kind of at that, you know, there's the top four teams that really separated, you know, between the rest of the teams. Top two NL teams, top two AL teams. Number four is one of those top two AL teams. The New York Yankees. The New York Yankees. Uh, Number four, 71 wins. One of the four teams over 70. A run differential of plus 204. They've scored the most runs in baseball, 591. They have a good rotation. Um, but they're starting to slip a little bit. I believe they were like 46 and 19. Uh, and since the All-Star break, they're on a losing record. They've lost eight of their last 10 games. Uh, they had a stranglehold on the best record of baseball for a while there. And they're slowly imploding, and it makes me worrisome about the Yankees. Because who's caught up to them? Number three, the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros are the best team in the AL as we speak. They've got one more win than the Yankees at 72. Uh, They have caught up. You know, Houston was like 10 games behind the Yankees, and now they have surpassed them. Uh, Everybody on their team has been playing great. the trade for a new first baseman's working out for Houston. They're number three. Number two, the New York Mets. Why? 73 wins in baseball. Uh, they've won six in a row. Eight out of their past ten. Edwin Diaz is the best closer in baseball. Jacob deGrom is back. Uh, with the Max Scherzer, to me, that's the best one-two pitching uh, rotation there in baseball. Francisco Lindor has been on a tear. Pete Alonso's great. They're number two. Who's number one? The Los Angeles Dodgers, and they keep winning. Best run differential in baseball at 236. And they've won 10 games in a row. When you've won 10 in a row, guess what? You get to be the best team in baseball. And when you get 77 wins, that constitutes you as the best because you just don't find ways to lose. And that's the, and that's the Los Angeles Dodgers. So my top five are the Braves, the Yankees, Astros, Mets, and Dodgers. And then my last topic, the judge denied live golfers to compete in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Another strongly in agreement with that. Uh, The FedEx Cup playoffs started today. Uh, Multiple stars were happy about the ruling. Um, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas. Happy they're not going to make a sideshow of it. And that makes sense to me. PGA Tour guys are playing in the PGA Tour League. Uh, the judge denied them. Makes sense. The lawsuit was silly. Billy Horschel is called the live players brainwashed. Uh, you know, Rory McIlroy says he's still fine with, you know, people like Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, who have left, have been quiet. And they're not trying to get back in like the Phil Mickelson's. The Bryson DeChambeau's that are suing. And on top of that, Bryson DeChambeau made one of the lamest analogies you ever can make um, comparing the PGA Tour and the Live to an old pizza shop 
that being the PGA Tour, but it's been around 50 years, and it's really good. But a new pizza shop opens across the street, and they pay you to come in, which is fine if you want to eat at a place that's paying you to come in. But then why turn around and sue the old pizza shop is the question everyone is asking. So, Bryson, it doesn't make sense. You've got your $100, $125 million guaranteed. Can't you shut up and go away uh, there in the live uh, tour? I mean, it's just, it is, you know, a constant battle and argument. Now, I, this thing I don't think is going away anytime soon. Hopefully after the playoffs, it settles down a bit uh, in a month. But the FedEx Cup playoffs are upon us. Uh, this is the first tournament of the three, the FedEx St. Jude Championship. I don't think there's going to be a big winner here like a Scotty Scheffler, a Jordan Spieth, a Rory McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, Cam Smith, Cam Young. I actually have Tony Finau. It's really hot right now. I think he wins this, uh, which could set up a lot of fireworks uh, down there, uh, you know, for the Tour Championship in a few weeks if you got Tony Finau, who's on a streak. Roy McIlroy's been playing really well. Cam Smith, Scotty Shuffler, you know, Cam Young, like I've been saying, could be a nice finish to the PGA uh, season. This has been Get Your Go. I'll talk to you all soon. Bye, everybody.